0: How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider
1: myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations."
0: The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance and principles. You can follow the stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms.
2: Get the unmissable news stories of the day. This is the Beijing Hour.
3: Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Thursday, November 30th, 2023. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend the truce in Gaza by one more day. The Chinese presidents learned about Shanghai's efforts to strengthen its competitiveness during an inspection tour of the financial hub. And the 28th UN climate meeting has kicked off in Dubai. In business, China's manufacturing data remains in contraction territory. In sports, Man U has run into some trouble in the UEFA Champions League. In culture and entertainment, Disney's first Zootopia land will open soon in Shanghai. Now check in the day's top stories. Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend their truce by one more day. The announcement came just minutes before the first extension was due to expire. Mediators are seeking another round of prisoner swaps. In the meantime, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken's in Tel Aviv to meet Israeli leaders. It's his third trip to the region since the conflict began. Uh, Nur Harazin has more from Gaza.
4: The delay of this extension shows that the negotiations are getting more difficult. I mean, at uh, 7 a.m. this morning, the uh, truce was due to expire. However, just five minutes before, at exactly 6.55, both Israel and Hamas announced that they will be extending the truce for one more day on the same conditions. Hamas side, will be releasing six uh, children, two women, and the bodies of three Israelis that were killed in Gaza during the heavy Israeli shelling and uh, strikes over the past uh, seven weeks. Medical aid and humanitarian aid will be allowed into the Gaza Strip while we will see the release of 33 Palestinian prisoners from the Israeli jails. Yes, the uh, agreements are getting really harder. It is brokered by Egypt, Qatar and the United States. But the fact that it is extended for only one day, it shows to the people here on the ground that the things are getting more complicated. Maybe Hamas is not able to locate more hostages. Maybe Israel is not responding to the conditions of Hamas, of uh, lifting the siege of Gaza and allowing the people in uh, southern Gaza to move back to northern Gaza. So no one actually knows what is really happening between the closed doors. However, people are hopeful, but at the same time, here on the ground, we're seeing them preparing themselves uh, for the worst.
3: That was North- harazin reporting and now for more about the situation on the ground we go to jung song woo who is in the israeli city of Sderot.
5: the truce has been extended to a seventh day which means another 24 hours and both israel and palestine will continue to release hostages and prisoners and it is said that 30 palestinian women and children were released earlier on thursday morning and uh, eight Israeli hostages, as our correspondent said, that will be released on Thursday. But according to announcement released by the Prime Minister's office last night that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu had a set of three goals at the beginning of the conflict, including eliminating Hamas, ensuring that Gaza will not return to what it was, being a threat to Israel and bringing all the hostages back. Uh, these goals still stand uh, despite the truth.
3: That was Jung song reporting. The Chinese president says the lessons from the Palestinian-Israeli conflict fully demonstrate that only by upholding the concept of common security can sustainable security be achieved. Xi Jinping made the remarks while extending congratulations to a UN meeting to commemorate the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people. The president said the crux of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict lies in the long-overdue realization of the Palestinian people's legitimate national right to establish an independent state. He says the only viable way to settle the Palestinian question lies in establishing an independent Palestinian state that fully enjoys sovereignty on the basis of the 1967 borders and with East Jerusalem as the capital. The president said peace talks should be restarted and the Palestinian people's right to statehood and survival and their right of return should be restored. He called for urgent actions to address the conflict, urging efforts to facilitate a ceasefire, ensure the safety of civilians, increase development assistance and humanitarian aid, and stop the humanitarian disaster. Xi Jinping said also that China firmly supports the just cause of the Palestinian people uh, to restore their legitimate national rights, and it'll continue to work with the international community to bring the Palestinian question back to the right track toward the uh, two-state solution. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has stressed that uh, resorting to military means is definitely not the way to resolve the crisis in the Gaza Strip. Addressing the UN Security Council on Wednesday, Wang said violence will only exacerbate hatred and confrontation and lead to what he called a ceaseless, vicious cycle. Uh, Jody Jacobs has more from the United Nations in New York.
6: Wang Yi is presiding over a high-level interministerial session of the Security Council here in New York. The same day, the United Nations commemorates the International Day of Solidarity with the people of Palestine. Several foreign ministers from member states have joined Wednesday's meeting to discuss the fighting between Israel and Hamas. Wang Yi says that the world is standing at the crossroads of war and peace and has called on the international community to take more active steps to save lives and restore peace.
7: Fairness and justice on the Palestinian question lies in the two-state solution. This is irreplaceable. Only the truth, the true and comprehensive implementation of the two-state solution can restore peace to the Middle East to realize peaceful coexistence between the two states of Palestine and Israel and achieve common development of the Arabs and Jews. China calls for ramping up international and regional diplomatic efforts, reshaping credible multilateral
6: processes. The UN Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, has told the Council that while he welcomes the current fragile ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, its full implementation is not enough. The people of Gaza are in the midst of an epic humanitarian catastrophe before the eyes of the world. We must not look away.
2: Intense negotiations are taking place to prolong the truce, which we strongly welcome. But we believe we need a true humanitarian
6: ceasefire. And we must ensure the people of the region finally have a horizon of hope. Palestine's foreign minister has called on the Security Council to act decisively before all of Gaza is destroyed. He says the current conflict will not lead to peace. Isn't it time we found a way to live side by side?
2: We don't even need to search that hard for that way. It is enshrined in international law and the relevant UN resolutions. The fulfilment of the Palestinian people's inalienable rights and two states living side by side in peace and security on the pre-1967
6: borders. Israel has again lambasted the United Nations and certain council members of not condemning Hamas, which killed 1,200 people during the October 7th attack. Israel says peace can only be achieved if Hamas is eliminated. This war can end tomorrow, even today. If Hamas returns all of the hostages and turns in all the terrorists who took part in the massacre, a real ceasefire can be achieved that will last decades. Demand this of Hamas. This is the solution. The time has come for this council to fully, truly focus on its mandate, security. Several members of the Security Council have welcomed the current truce and humanitarian ceasefire. Many have cautioned that if decisive action isn't taken soon, the fighting will continue and many more lives will be lost.
3: That was Jody Jacobs reporting. After the high-level inter-ministerial session of the Security Council, Wang Yi reaffirmed China's stance on the Israel-Palestine conflict. Wang also said China will provide a new batch of emergency humanitarian supplies to the Gaza Strip. Also on Wednesday, China provided a million U.S. dollars in cash to the U.N. Relief and Works Agency for Palestine, uh, Palestine refugees to alleviate the humanitarian situation in Gaza. China's called for an immediate and sustained humanitarian truce and for the implementation of UN resolutions to resolve the Israel-Palestine conflict. Uh, these were among the points made in a position paper issued on Thursday by the Chinese Foreign Ministry. It also called on the UN Security Council to demand the warring parties exercise restraint to avoid a further escalation of the conflict. Uh, China stressed that violent attacks against civilians must stop and civilians should be protected as mandated by international humanitarian law. All parties involved should refrain from depriving supplies and services indispensable to the survival of Palestinians. China also adds that uh, the fundamental settlement of the question of Palestine lies in the implementation of the two-state solution, and any arrangement on Gaza's future must respect the will and right to self-determination of the Palestinian people. The temporary ceasefire has facilitated the flow of aid into Gaza. 200 trucks a day are now entering the territory via the Rafah border crossing from Egypt. Yasser Hakim has more.
2: The aid trucks are entering Gaza to offload their humanitarian assistance for the Palestinians. The truce has allowed more aid to go into Gaza, more than double the usual before the truce. That's around 200 or more per day. But this is still not enough. The UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees says Gaza needs at least 508 trucks a day rather than the average 200. The assistance includes water, food, medical equipment, tents, fuel and gas. Ambulances are also evacuating larger numbers of injured Palestinians during the extended truce to be treated in Egypt. The Palestinian and Egyptian health ministers say medical assistance during this period is crucial for the enclave. The officials used the opportunity to highlight the situation in Gaza, which has deteriorated strongly since the war began. According to figures released by both officials as of November twenty-eighth, 600 injured Palestinians are being treated in Egypt. Only nine out of 35 hospitals are still operating in Gaza, serving nearly 2.3 million people. 1.3 million are living in shelters. Over 16,000 people have been killed. 6,000 are missing, including 1,700 children. The Palestinian health minister called for a permanent ceasefire, more humanitarian aid and urgent support from the international community.
4: We call again on the UN and international health organizations to intervene and pressure the occupying army to allow medical teams from the Palestinian Health Ministry and medical volunteers from friendly nations around the world to enter Gaza because there is an acute shortage of medical personnel, especially in northern Gaza.
2: What was made clear that time is not a luxury at the stricken Gaza Strip as casualties continued to mount. That was Yasser Hakim
3: reporting. A UN official says the temporary truce and humanitarian aid delivered to Gaza are not enough to deal with the humanitarian crisis in the region. Kareem Aimer, works with the UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestine refugees in the Near East. He's expressing concern over the lack of fuel for the displaced people in Gaza, especially as winter is approaching.
8: Um, There are currently more than 1.7 million uh, Gazans who have been displaced uh, since the conflict started. Um, More than 1 million of those are sheltering in UNRWA facilities um, which do not have the capacity and were not designed to host that number of people. The, the daily bombardments and attacks have also made it very difficult to bring humanitarian assistance in and it's only during the last few days of the humanitarian pause that we've actually been able to start to ramp up or increase the amount of assistance that's entering the Strip, um, but it's still far below what the needs of, of now you know, 2.2 million people uh, who've been under more than 50 days of siege and, and constant bombardment would, would need. Um, the situation is e- extremely dire. Um, as you can see, the winter, winter has arrived. Uh, the rains have arrived. People don't have adequate shelter. Um, the lack of fuel is probably one of the most critical uh, issues. And we think this is essential at this stage that there needs to be a ceasefire. This, this, this cannot continue.
3: That was Kareem Aymer with the UN Relief Agency. Coming up, the Chinese president's inspection tour in Shanghai.
9: Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platform and get ready to dive in.
3: 14 minutes past the hour. Chinese President Xi Jinping has visited Shanghai for an inspection tour. He went to several venues and learned about the city's efforts to strengthen its competitiveness as an international financial hub. Li Jingyi has more.
10: Chinese President Xi Jinping visited the Shanghai Futures Exchange during an inspection tour in East China's Shanghai on Tuesday and Wednesday. He was briefed on the city's efforts in strengthening its competitiveness as an international financial center. The Futures Exchange was formally founded in 1999. To date, it has launched 23 futures and 9 options, covering metals, energy, chemicals, shipping and other fields. It is one of the world's three major non-ferrous metal pricing centers. The Futures Exchange has developed high-quality pricing for bulk commodity futures. For several years, its trading volume has ranked on the world's top list. Xi's two-day inspection also included an exhibition on Shanghai SciTech Innovations. The exhibition demonstrates the city's major achievements in fields such as basic research, integrated circuits, artificial intelligence, biomedicine and high-end equipment. Shanghai has been working to build itself into an international science and technology innovation center. Xi Jinping also paid a visit to a government-subsidized rental housing community located in a pilot zone of AI innovation in the Minhang district. The community provides 138 rooms with 440 beds for urban workers. The rental pricing is based on market prices but it also takes the income levels of the target group into account. That was Li Jingyi reporting.
3: Well, Shanghai has been a success story, especially for the development of its finance and science and technology innovation sectors. For more on President Xi Jinping's visit to the city, Ubin
11: shares his observations. Uh, he visited the Shanghai futures exchange we know that the Shanghai futures exchange is one of the three major non-feral metal price uh, centers in the world and it's an important part of building Shanghai into a uh, international financial hub and this uh, the visit comes at a critical time when the central financial or work conference is held in early uh, November and so this shows that uh, his stress and efforts in uh, promoting the high quality development of the country's financial sector and in fact in 2020 uh, when he visited Shanghai and participated uh, the 30th anniversary of the Pudong new area he said that the city needs to uh, uh, increase the influence of the uh, major commodities pricing and also to use financial sector to better serve and lead the development of the real economy so this is something we really need to pay attention to the the high quality development of the financial sector. And he also visited a uh, scientific and technological achievement exhibition in Zhangjiang, that's in the east part of the city. And in fact, he visited the Zhangjiang area in 2018 and also emphasized scientific and technological innovation. And this area, after uh, years of development, has uh, made some major breakthroughs in various sectors, including integrated circuits, high-end manufacturing, and also biomedicine attracted a lot of uh, global companies to settle here I've talked to many of the CEOs in this area they say they are confident in China's uh, business environment and they are here to stay and will continue to expand and this area the Zhangjiang area is also developing in uh, new areas like artificial intelligence so the visit of this exhibition uh, 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 it shows the country's efforts in uh, these areas and also the country's support in building Building Shanghai into an international scientific and technological innovation center. The president also visited a government subsidized rental housing community in Minghang District in the city. And this community is uh, established mainly to meet the needs of uh, new citizens and young people coming to the cities. In fact, in 2019, when he visited Shanghai, he said that the cities are built by the people and are for the people. So the visit to the rental community uh, also shows that uh, his uh, care and support in solving some of the major problems in big cities like housing.
3: That was Ubin reporting. The first China International Supply Chain Expo is in full swing in the Chinese capital. As the world's first national-level supply chain expo, it aims to provide a platform for enterprises to expand trade and investment cooperation. A uh, Green energy and supply chain sustainability are among the key topics of discussion at the ongoing event. Uh, Xu Xinchen sat down with Henry Liu from Honeywell to learn more about the importance of the green transition.
10: So first of all, why did you come? What's Honeywell's expectation for the first ever China International Supply Chain Expo here in Beijing? As you said,
1: this is the first supply chain worldwide, national level. You know, so we're very excited to be here and really want to talk with the, uh, our partners and the Chinese companies and uh, international companies like us. Really thinking this is a great opportunity platform for us to promote the clean technologies. You know now, you know, energy sector is in the deep transition period of time. Excellent. And this opportunity for us to talk together for innovative technologies to be applied in China is so critical. So really excited to be here. Yeah.
10: So energy is very important as the world is going greener, climate change, all the challenges, but also supply chain is becoming greener and more focused on supply sustainability. So what are some of the highlights that you bring to Beijing during this expo that are showing sustainability and green drive?
1: Yeah. Green, gr- China already announced the 2030 carbon peak and the 2060 carbon neutrality. That commitment is very important and drives a lot of people think about how to take you know, the technologies to decarbonize and to solve the global challenges like the climate change and other things. And this is a great opportunity now to, for us to talk about, the, especially in the green energy sector. And there's a technology now already ready there, such as, you know, today we bring in a lot, you know, solutions like the eco-fining and also the e-fining, which is using the edible feel, edible fat, and also use the cooking oil, all these you know, in you know, renewable products and to produce this stuff. You know, the aviation industry is very diff- difficult to decarbonize right. and use the stuff is one of the options. Such kind of that example for us to thinking how we can you know, innovate with the Chinese partners uh, together to solve all these challenges together.
10: Why is it important at this moment for supply chain distributors or companies to talk, and especially on sustainability and green development?
1: If you think about the energy sector, China uses a lot of energy and also already, you know, be a big part of the global clean energy sector provider. And I don't think you know, that's a good choice. If we don't include China and also Chinese, you know, leading companies, that's a bad choice. Uh, to us, I think working with these companies and in terms of technology and also supply chain, I think is the best solution for what and also to solve all those you know global most you know challenge problem like climate change. It's a global issue, and we should you know include China, and China should be in the center of that you know. Uh, decarbonization efforts process as well.
3: Shu Xinchen speaking to Henry Leo, the General Manager of Honeywell Performance Materials and Technologies Asia Pacific. At the ongoing expo, companies producing crucial parts materials for electric vehicles are given a rare opportunity to showcase their products. Ningbo Shanshan is one of China's leading suppliers of lithium battery anode materials, and it's recently announced a 1.3 billion U.S. dollar investment to build its first overseas factories, uh, factory in Finland. During an interview with Huang Fei. Company chairman Zheng Zhu explained the reasons behind that move.
2: In the field
12: of lithium-ion battery-electrode materials, at least 95% of the products are made from China. About 30% are exported and 70% are used domestically. There are so many automakers globally, and most of them import materials from China. If we produce in Europe, we can supply battery manufacturers and auto factories at a much lower costs. By 2025, an estimated 400,000 tons of anode material are needed globally outside China every year, but only 50,000 tons are being produced overseas, so there is a huge market to fill.
13: The European Commission's anti-subsidy investigation into Chinese EVs is raising alarms across the entire EV supply chain in China. How does that affect your European strategy?
2: Chinese new
12: energy industry could not have developed without help from the government. But can you really say that national support is the only factor? What about years of research and development that we, as private firms, invested in? We should take more credit for our own efforts. Of course, building a factory in Europe is going to be a much slower process than in China, and that gives us time to strategize. But I believe we will commit to globalization.
13: Many people say that the global supply chain is undergoing a reshuffling. What risks and challenges uh,
2: are you concerned about? This
12: year is certainly a significant adjustment for our industry, as unit prices for raw materials have dropped significantly and rapidly. As China's new energy battery industry grows, many more companies have joined our industry, leading to a supply glut. I believe the following few years will see a reshuffling and a price war. But if we focus on product quality and cost management, this could be a good It can wash away some small workshops that are distorting the market. Building overseas is challenging too. The first challenge is getting approval and navigating the EU's stricter environmental compliance laws. The second is Europe's attitude towards China. Better China-Europe relations would be beneficial to us
3: Uh, as President uh, Zhengzhou of Ningboa Shan, ending that interview with Huang Fei. Coming up, United Nations Climate Meetings in
14: Dubai. Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home.
3: 26 minutes past the hour Uh, the 28th annual united nations climate meeting has kicked off in dubai united arab emirates Uh, world leaders government representatives and delegates from around the globe will be hammering out measures to limit the unwanted consequences of climate change Uh, Reining in fossil fuels and carbon emissions will top the agenda of that 13-day cop 28 summit Uh, Scientists have expressed concern over the situation in Antarctica ahead of the COP28 climate conference that's uh, now underway. Uh, The UN says Antarctica and Greenland are melting over three times faster than they were in the early 1990s. Oceanographer Michael Meredith with the British Antarctic Survey says massive amounts of ice melt in Antarctica pose a threat to life on Earth.
11: This is a huge concern because obviously all that ice that was on land Has now
3: melted into the ocean and that's pushing up sea levels everywhere. That's going to have a global impact on all coastal communities, all coastal megacities, and so on, all low lying countries and
11: islands. Um, So there's going to be consequences from that that will be felt everywhere around the world.
3: Twilight Moon with the University of Colorado Boulder uh, says people have not crossed a point of no return, but action needs to be taken urgently.
11: So you can think about protecting the Earth's ice by taking action against climate change. And this kind of fundamental seed, you'll not only influence keeping Earth's ice around, but also some of the other uh, unpleasant impacts of climate change, like flood, drought, and issues with food security and biodiversity. So the good news is all of us have a space that we can take action, even if you don't have a glacier in your backyard.
3: Well, Antarctica reflects lots of sunlight away from the Earth and regulates the planet's climate because its ice and cold waters drive major ocean currents. Data shows that the current extent of sea ice at the South Pole is one and a half million square kilometers less than the average for the season we at 28 minutes past the hour beijing is going to be down to minus five overnight that's followed by sunny skies and a high of plus five on friday Chongqing has a slight rainfall, continuing through the day tomorrow with a low of 11, the high is 13. Lass is minus 3 overnight, then cloudy in 12. Hong Kong's down to 21 degrees, then sunny skies in 24. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 6 overnight, it'll be partly cloudy in 13 on Friday. Islamabad's at 11 tonight, then haze in 21 degrees. Bangkok's down to 27 degrees, then partly cloudy with a high of 35. And finally, in Africa, Nairobi is getting partly cloudy conditions in 25 degrees Celsius. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend the truce in Gaza by one more day. The Chinese presidents learned from, or rather, learned about Shanghai's efforts to strengthen its competitiveness during an inspection tour of the financial hub. And the 28th UN climate meeting is kicked off in Dubai. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour.
0: Experience the musical classics of the East mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music talks witness the sound of antiquity and modernity.
14: We all enter this world with a universal greeting. (laughs) We then learn to speak.
4: Hello, how are you? Good morning. I am very happy.
14: Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. German Railway
11: Company an additional 500,000...
14: ...director Deutsche of the International 000, Monetary the 26th fund, Nations Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world.
10: CGTN Radio. Hear the difference.
15: I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if
5: you are a rookie 你好, or
15: a sophisticated
13: learner, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a word that starts with.
3: Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now, here's your host, it's Shane Beggel, with you on this Thursday, still to come. In business, China's manufacturing data remains in contraction territory. In sports, Man U's run into some trouble in the UEFA Champions League. And in culture and entertainment, Disney's first Zootopia land will open soon in Shanghai. To contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. First of all, with the day's headline news, here's Wang Ziheng.
7: Thank you very much, Yang. Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend their truce by one more day, just minutes before the first extension was due to expire. More hostages are expected to be freed under the New Deal. The truce had previously been extended from its its initial four days. Meanwhile, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Tel Aviv to meet Israeli leaders. This is his third trip to the region since the conflict began. The Chinese and U.S. defense departments are working to resume high-level communications. It comes after two countries agreed in San Francisco earlier this month to restart military talks to ease tensions. Chinese Defense Ministry spokesperson Wu Qian says the two sides are maintaining communications and coordination to work towards that goal. He also says China is ready to push for a healthy and stable development of military ties along with the United States. China has pledged to enhance cooperation and boost ties with Turkmenistan. When meeting with Turkmen President Serdar Berdy Mohamedov in Turkmenistan, Chinese Vice Premier Ding Xuexiang called on the two sides to tap cooperation potential and to continue to deepen and expand cooperation in key areas. Ding also said China is ready to work with Turkmenistan and other Central Asian countries to advance China's Central Asia cooperation. Vadim Mohamedov said Turkmenistan stands ready to work with China to enhance strategic communication, deepen cooperation, and promote its comprehensive strategic partnership to a new height. He also said his country is willing to work with China to jointly promote regional peace, stability, development, and prosperity. The 28th annual United Nations Climate Meeting has kicked off in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. World leaders, government representatives and delegates from around the globe will be hammering out measures to limit the unwanted consequences of climate change. Raining in fossil fuels and carbon emissions will top the agenda of the 13-day COP28 summit. Former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger has died at the age of 100. Chinese President Xi Jinping has sent his deep condolences to U.S. President Joe Biden over Kissinger's passing. Speaking at a daily press briefing, Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin called Kissinger a dear old friend of the Chinese people and a pioneer and builder of China-U.S. relations. Wang notes that the Chinese people will remember Dr. Kissinger for his sincere devotion and important contribution to bilateral ties. Meantime, Chinese ambassador to the United States Xie Feng wrote on X that Kissinger's death is a tremendous loss for the world. As a longtime veteran of international relations, Kissinger played a notable role in shaping U.S. foreign policy throughout the administration of President Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. He was also indispensable in facilitating the normalization of ties between China and the U.S. back in the 1970s. Kissinger's most recent visit to China dated back to July this year, when he met Chinese President Xi Jinping in Beijing. Hurricane winds and heavy snow in southern Ukraine have killed at least 12 people and left 800 villages without power. The country's interior ministry says repair of damaged facilities is underway, and neighboring Slovakia, Romania and Moldova have been helping to bolster the region's electricity supply. Earlier, severe severe storms also hit Crimea and southern Russia, killing four people. The reconstruction of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris has entered a new stage as work has begun on its new spire. The iconic structure collapsed in 2019 during the blaze that ravaged one of France's most visited landmarks. The body in charge of its renovation said the new spire will be an identical copy of the previous one and its framework should be finished by late December. The cathedral is a UNESCO World Heritage Site and has become closely associated with French writer Victor Hugo's classic novel The Hunchback of Notre Dame. 13 million visitors visited the place every year before the fire. Finally, to the US. US life expectancy rose last year but is still well below what it was before the COVID-19 pandemic. After dropping nearly two and a half years during the pandemic, the country's life expectancy rose by about one year to 77 years and six months in 2022. That is about the same level as two decades ago. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention attributed the rise to the waning pandemic, but sociologist Mark Hayward says COVID is still a risk factor for mortality in the U.S. I think the key takeaway is that the, the COVID is uh, much less lethal now. At the same time, it's still lethal, and we're still not back to the pre-COVID levels. And so we shouldn't be have any illusion that COVID is not a, a risk factor for mortality in the US. It still is. It's still definitely a drag, and we're still a year or so away from the pre-pandemic levels. U.S. life expectancy started to drop years before the COVID-19 pandemic. Officials have pinned the blame on overdose deaths and suicides.
3: Thank you very much. That was Wang Ziheng with Headline News. This is Shane Biggum in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, China's manufacturing data remains in contraction territory.
14: Starting Friday, citizens of France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain and Malaysia We no longer need visas to enter China for visits of no more than 15 days. Why didn't Beijing introduce the policy sooner? What benefits can it generate apart from attracting more tourists? And what's the other side of the coin? Find answers to these and more questions on this week's Chat Lounge, anywhere you get your podcasts, and on
15: CGTN Radio.
3: 37 minutes past the hour now. And turning to business news, here's Do Hongyu.
15: Thank you, Shane. Stock markets on the Chinese mainland closed mixed on Thursday. In Hong Kong, the Heng Seng Index surged 0.3%. Timothy Pope has more.
9: The Shanghai Composite uh, ended about a quarter of 1% higher. Profit-taking continued on the Beijing stock exchange, though. We saw the Beijing 50 shedding 1.7%. But uh, it still ends this month up by almost 30%. Uh, Stimulus bets boosted uh, blue-chip infrastructure stocks. We saw China communications construction up by about 1.9%. Energy and utilities companies made gains as well. Uh, The electricity provider Huaneng Power added 4.6%. Uh, In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng was up by about a third of 1% thanks to some strong healthcare stocks. Some of the bigger tech names, uh, including Tencent, posted gains as well. But full-year financial forecasts for the Chinese online video and gaming company Bilibili dragged uh, the tech sector down more broadly. Uh, Its stock lost 11% after saying uh, that 2023 revenue will likely be at the lower end of its earlier forecast range, about uh, 22.5 billion yuan. Uh, Bilibili said that mobile Game revenues were down by a third year-on-year in the third quarter of uh, 2023 as
15: well. That was Timothy Pope in Shanghai. In Japan, the Nikkei was up 0.5%. China's purchasing manager's index in the manufacturing sector dipped a tenth of a point to 49.4 in November. Readings below 50 indicate contraction. Vice-director Cai Jing of China Federation of Logistics and Purchasing says market sentiment in the manufacturing sector remained positive in November.
9: Generally speaking, November is an off-season, so declines are relatively normal. Compared with the previous years, the magnitude of the index decline in November this year was relatively small. From a fundamental perspective, it can be said the fluctuations were not very large. So the basic trend of smooth operation has not changed.
15: The PMI for high-tech sectors and equipment manufacturers both came in above 50 in November, returning to the expansion range. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development says China will see 5.2% GDP growth this year. The latest forecast was up 0.1 points from the organization's previous one. The organization has also cut its forecast for global growth this year to 2.9%, down from the 3% it forecast in September, citing tighter financial conditions, weak trade growth, and lower business and consumer confidence. Economists have revised U.S. GDP growth for the third quarter, lifting it from 49 to 5.2% on an annualized basis. The new rate would be the fastest pace of expansion since the fourth quarter of 2021. Karina Mitchell has more. We are starting to see some cooling in the fourth quarter,
13: which is a big difference from what we saw in the third quarter. Businesses are starting to hire fewer people and consumer spending starting to soften a little bit, although you wouldn't know it from those record Cyber Monday online sales that we just saw. But that cooling is starting to set in at this point. Uh, but it's in stark juxtaposition to what we saw in the data that came out today from the Commerce Department. The second read of third-quarter GDP came in at an expanded rate of 5.2 percent annually compared to 4.9 percent. That was the estimate. I have to point out just how remarkable that number really is. Given that we're in this environment where we're in a global sort of economic slowdown, the U.S. has been far more resilient and has held up much better than some of the other leading economies of the world. Let's look at some of the factors that helped this expansion over the summer. For one thing, government spending increased both at the federal level and at the local level as well. Businesses started investing more money. That's as they saw more profits come in. We also saw imports and exports increase as well. And consumer spending, though it was dampened a little bit, it was a little bit softer, it did help create growth as well. And I want to delve in to give you a little bit of a closer look as to what the consumer looked like over the summer in the third quarter. A personal income increased by just above $200 billion, which meant they had more money to spend, more disposable income. That went up by $144 billion. So although they're being more thoughtful about where and how they're spending money, they are still generating enough sales and buying enough goods to help stimulate the economy. So they continue to be the hero of this U.S. economic recovery. Remember that consumer spending accounts for about 70 percent of all U.S. economic activity. The big question is, how long can this momentum continue. As I said, we are starting to see some cooling in the fourth quarter. Many analysts predict that we will see growth for the final months of the year, but it will be more anemic. It will come in closer to 1.1 or 2 percent for the quarter. And then household spending, as I mentioned, is contracting. The estimate for the third quarter was 4 percent. It
15: came in at 3.6 percent. That was Karina Mitchell reporting. China's foreign trade in agricultural products maintained a stable expansion in the first 10 months of the year. The trade volume stood at around 275 billion U.S. dollars during the period, up 1.2 percent. Exports of agricultural products edged up 0.3 percent to over 80 billion dollars, while imports went up 1.5 percent to around 195 billion dollars. China's foreign trade deficit for farm produce came in at nearly $115 billion, up 2.4% from a year ago. China's battery shipments in the first three quarters of the year accounted for over 90% of global shipments. That was around 157 gigawatt-hours. Meanwhile, the country's installed new energy power generation had surpassed 21 million kilowatts by the end of September. Cooking your favorite foods could be the first step in the process of producing sustainable biofuels. Wei Song has more. In the hot pot-loving Chinese city of
14: Chengdu, thousands of diners a night pack restaurants like this one to savor their favorite dish. Meat and vegetables are cooked in cauldrons of spicy, oily broth. Besides being a delicious soup base, it later becomes the base of something else quite remarkable. Jet fuel. The process begins right after customers leave. Leftover broth is poured into a special filter that separates oil from water. The oil from this restaurant and hundreds of others is collected and brought over to a business park on the city's outskirts. That's where local business Jinshang Environmental Protection operates.
12: Our company collects approximately 300 to 400 tons of waste oil every day and this is just the amount that one company collects. If you look at the whole Chengdu city, the quantity will be much higher. The annual quantity is approximately 150,000 to 180,000 tons.
14: From these massive vats, the cooking oil undergoes a refining process that removes any remaining water and impurities. What's left is a mostly clear industrial grade oil that gets exported to several countries.
12: Our current clients include several large energy companies like Neste, Shell, BP and Phillips 66 and of course the China National Petroleum Corporation, Sinopec and Hong Kong's EcoSeries.
14: Those companies further process it to make what's known as sustainable aviation fuel a replacement for traditional fossil jet fuel. Experts say such renewable fuels emit up to 70% less carbon dioxide than fossil derived fuels over their life cycle. But some climate advocates argue that production can't be scaled up enough to make a real difference. Still, it's one of many alternative fuels that are being developed to help reduce
15: carbon emissions in transportation and other sectors. That was String Wei Song reporting. The BRICS New Development Bank has approved a loan of 50 million US dollars to the Bank of Huzhou for the sustainable infrastructure project. The money will be used to finance projects in Zhejiang Province. The loan will provide financing to local companies for projects such as rooftop solar power and reservoir renovation. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa established the BRICS new development bank to mobilize resources for infrastructure and sustainable development projects. In 2021, the bank initiated membership expansion, admitted Bangladesh, Egypt, the United Arab Emirates, and Uruguay as new members.
3: Right, thank you very much. That was Do Hong Yu with business. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. And Coming up in sports, Man U's running into some trouble in the UEFA Champions League.
0: Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the
2: world.
3: 47 past the hour now. Turning to sports
16: and here's Yang Guang. Thank you Shane. Starting with the UEFA Champions League, Manchester United is in serious danger of missing out of the knockout stage despite scoring three times against the Galatasaray. United led by two goals after 18 minutes but was packed back in a wild 3-0 draw. United conceded two goals from Hakim Ziyech's free kicks, with keeper Andriy Onana making a sloppy mistake to allow one goal, letting the ball slip under his arm. Ericton Hawk's team needs to beat Bayern Munich in two weeks to keep hopes alive to advance, and the manager is optimistic.
0: I think as a team, we played very well. We win together, we lose together. And you see the progress in this team. Uh, I take many positives of this game, some states we, uh, we play like I wanted my team to play, it was enjoyable to watch them, and uh, so proactive, dynamic uh, and brave, and we scored great goals, of course I'm disappointed because uh, we should have managed the game better, we will learn from that, but you see this team uh, is, in, is in development.
16: Already qualified Bayern was held to a goalies draw by Copenhagen on Wednesday. There are now 12 confirmed teams in the round of 16 draw, including Arsenal, after its six new routes of Lens. Real Madrid clinched a 4-2 win over second place to Napoli and ensured the 14-time champion will finish at top Group C. Inter Milan was three goals down but managed to pose a second-half fight back in a 3-0 draw at Benfica. Turning to the Asian Champions League, Josie County's last minute winner helped title holder Urawa Red Diamonds beat Wuhan Three Towns 2 1 in Group J, which ended the Chinese side's hopes of qualifying for the knockout stage. Davidson had scored an equalizer for Wuhan, but the defending Chinese Super League champion failed to keep the tie to the end, as County scored from a loose ball in the 90th minute. Elsewhere, Zhejiang FC beat Buriram United 3-2 to keep its progression hopes alive. Hong Kong Premier League side Kichi SC suffered a defeat on home turf for the third consecutive time in the group stage, as it lost to Tsengpou Hyundai Motors 2-1 and got eliminated. In snooker, Chinese ace Ding Junhui continued his fine form at the UK Championship by brushing aside Tom Ford of England, 6-3, to advance to the quarterfinals. After ending the title defence of Mark Allen in the first round, Ding made a flying start against the Ford with two centuries, but the British player responded well to pull level at 2-all. The crucial fifth frame saw Dean cleaning the table to complete the comeback win from which he dominated final. Dean will face world number nine Mark Williams in the last eight. On the other table, world number two John Trump crushed his Welsh opponent Jamie Jones 6-0 to reach the quarterfinals, where he will meet number five seed Mark Selby. The International Olympic Committee has announced that it has picked France's 2030 bid for the Winter Olympics and Salt Lake City's 2034 proposal as preferred hosts. The two organizing groups are now set to go into dialogue with IOC. IOC Future Host Commission head Carl Stos. The executive board today followed the recommendation of the
11: Future Host Commission to invite the French Alps and Salt Lake City into respective targeted dialogues to host the Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games 2030 and 2034. The IOC will now start more detailed discussions with the preferred hosts with the aim to award the two editions in July in Paris.
16: This is not the first time in recent years that IOC has sought long-term security with a double allocation after picking Paris for the 2024 Summer Games and Los Angeles for 2028. Salt Lake City had initially wanted to host the 2030 edition but dropped that plan due to being too close to the LA Summer Games. In golf, Luke Donald is set to return as Team Europe's Ryder Cup captain for its title defense in 2025. The 45-year-old led the Europeans to victory over the United States outside Rome last month. He will be the first captain to uh, to Europe in back-to-back Ryder Cup since Bernard Galenchen, who had three in a row from 1991. And finally, Rahul Dravid will stay on as the Indian cricket team head coach following the extension of his contract, which had expired with the 50-overs home World Cup earlier this month. The Board of control for cricket in India did not reveal the duration of the extension, but it's likely to cover the T20 World Cup in the West Indies and the US in June. India's cricket governing body acknowledged the exceptional professionalism as coach of the side, which reached the finals of the World Test Championship and ODI World Cup DC and losing to Australia on both occasions.
3: Thank you very much. That was Yang Guang with sports. Coming up in culture and entertainment, Disney's first Zootopia Land opens open soon in Shanghai. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X-Men Days of Future Past. You are listening to The Beijing Hour.
4: Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to the Beijing Hour. Hi everyone.
10: I'm Long Long. Welcome to the Beijing Hour.
9: The Beijing Hour, your window to China and the world.
3: 53 minutes past the hour now, turning to culture and entertainment. Uh, The world's first Zootopia land, scheduled to open to the public starting from December 20th at Shanghai Disney Resort, has kicked off trial operation. Uh, The new themed land is based on the Walt Disney Animation Zootopia, and will become the eighth themed land at Shanghai Disneyland. Uh, Some visitors got the chance to have a first-hand experience in that newly built section.
8: I'm
13: pretty excited about the Hot Pursuit
15: ride. I heard it's a new trackless ride. I'm quite looking forward to taking a ride and having fun myself.
14: I think I share a deep connection with the character Judy Hopps. I was to be preparing to study abroad, and I was quite sad to leave Shanghai, so I would often come to the park to see Judy. After seeing her story, she came to Zootopia to follow her dream. She helped me a lot during that time.
3: Zootopia Land's construction began back in 2019, and involved many original design concepts from the international Disney engineering team. Shanghai Disney Resort's last theme land, Toy Story Land, opened in 2018, making the resort the fastest expanding Disneyland in the world. While some of Macau's oldest districts are getting facelifts under a government revitalization plan aimed at developing iconic cultural attractions in that southern Chinese city. The first phase of one of the projects is already complete and is now open to the public, giving visitors a glimpse of an industry which was once part of the backbone of Macau's economy. Andrew Wood went and checked it out.
17: Away from the glitz and the glamour of Macau's casinos, on the southern tip of the territory is Colan Village. It's a sleepy but colourful getaway where visitors can soak up the tranquility and enjoy the charms of what was once a quaint fishing enclave. You won't find any actual ships being built here now. But on this day, there is a group of people learning all about the craftsmanship that goes into it. The toughest thing is when you have a piece of wood, and you have to nail it into shape, and then make sure it's level and secure. That's the hardest part. The group gathers once a week on a Sunday. It requires a lot of patience, and it can take as long as three months to build one of these from scratch. Now
3: that we aren't building big boats, we're building little ones instead, so we can pass the knowledge on to the next
7: generation, to young people, so that it doesn't vanish altogether.
17: Once a major trading hub, Macau has a rich maritime history. And for decades, it was established as an important shipbuilding hub. It was a key industry that drove the economy and employed thousands of people. It was considered a dragon's head industry. What do I mean by dragon's head? In the past, there was not that much commerce in Macau. But this one industry tailed off into five or six other trades. In its heyday, there were around 30 shipbuilding factories in Macau, but as Macau and the industry transformed, the shipwrights whittled down. The last boat to set sail from Lai Chi was built here in 2005. Aside from the model-making sessions, there are also guided tours for visitors to learn all about Macau's shipbuilding history. There's even a Kolwan-themed market, where people can pick up local souvenirs. Okay, so
4: all the- I think it's great because
14: this was originally a shipbuilding plant after all. The industry has died now, but to be able to preserve it and to continue to promote shipbuilding culture is important. I think the government can continue to promote this craft and culture, and I think it can be even more successful.
17: Already, the model makers are making waves with their vessels. They've been scooping up awards across China in competitions for their craftsmanship. And the revitalization project is a fitting way to commemorate Macau's shipbuilding heritage, and importantly, to remind people here about their past.
3: That was Andrew Wood in Macau. Aquaman 2 director James Wong and leading actor Jason Momoa will come to China to promote the Warner Brothers and DC Studios superhero sequel.
2: You and me, son, we're
3: different. They're scheduled to visit Beijing next Wednesday to premiere the movie in China before meeting fans in Shanghai, Chengdu, and Guangzhou. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is set for release on December 20th, two days before it opens in North America. The original Aquaman movie became a phenomenon in China, eventually totaling nearly $300 million U.S. million in box office. The film still stands as the highest-grossing DC film of all time. We're at 58 minutes past the hour now. Checking the forecast before we go for the day, and uh, Beijing's down to minus 5 overnight. That'll be followed by sunny skies and a high of plus 5 on Friday. Chongqing has a slight rainfall, continuing through the day tomorrow. The low's 11, the high is 13. Lass is down to minus 3, then clouds in 12. Hong Kong's down to 21 degrees and then sunny and 24. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 6 degrees overnight. It'll be partly cloudy and 13 on Friday. Islamabad's 11 this evening, then haze and 21 degrees. Bangkok's down to 27, then partly cloudy and 35. In Africa, Nairobi's getting partly cloudy conditions in 25 degrees. And finally to Oceania, Sydney's at 17 this evening, then sunny skies with a high of uh, 27 on Friday. That's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend the truce in Gaza by one more day. And the Chinese presidents learned about Shanghai's efforts to strengthen its competitiveness during an inspection tour of the financial hub. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigam in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.
0: Take away Chinese where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Take away Chinese, we will promise you a difference.
5: Hello everybody, welcome to Roundtable,
10: coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing.
0: Roundtable Roundtable
15: Roundtable
0: Connecting China and the world We
15: bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day
14: Tune in to Roundtable where the East meets the West and understanding is the goal
0: From North to South, East to West people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys.